Wow. That's all right. Wow. <laughs> the number 28. That beautiful. I'm just kidding. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's good to see you. I'm Harrison. I'm Meg. And this is uh, and episode 28 of Good to See You. Nothing really significant about 28, except for the fact that we are talking to Colin Gray this week, who is, let's see, the person that I've known uh, probably the longest. Um, my family and his are thick as thieves, and I pretty much spent most days of my childhood uh, with Colin. And he's an incredible musician. He's an incredible, like, just human and has such beautiful, beautiful um, stories and perspective that he shared with us. Um, and I do want to just give a trigger warning that we do um, talk a lot about uh, mental health in this episode and specifically suicide. Um, and so if if you need to just skip ahead in those sections, feel free to do so and we'll catch you on the other side of those. Um, but I hope you enjoy. This is Colin. Woke up this morning, didn't know what to do, so I looked around, then I saw you, yeah, it's good to see you, yeah, it's good to see you, we're gonna talk about some stuff, and some other stuff too, yeah, it's good to see you. What's up, big mama? Hey! It's nice to meet you, Harrison. It's nice to meet you too, man. Very, very nice to meet you. Thanks for, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. Where are you right now? I'm in Rockville. I'm right around the corner. Oh, hey. Yeah. Uh, we just got word that we're going to be going to um, Cali in the next week or so. Oh, my Driving. gosh. I know. How, like, how quickly do they let you know? Like, or what is the timeline of, like, how far out you know about traveling? It depends. Sometimes it's like a month or two. It's like, hey, uh-huh. you know, around this date. And like today, he's like, oh, yeah, we'll probably get you on the road next week or something like that. So, sure. Pennsylvania and then Cali. Nice. Madness. I was just going to ask, talking about traveling, what, what do you do that, that requires I... traveling? You're going to Cali. <laughs> it's not for pleasure, it is for work. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we do Wi-Fi. So we go and do Wi-Fi upgrades for hotels. And obviously they're scattered all over the place. So we'll stay in the hotel that we're working on. And then, yeah, just kind of hang out in different towns for a little while, depending on how long it takes us to finish up and upgrade them, get them running. Was there a big stop during the pandemic or did you keep trucking through? Yeah, oh, yeah. big time. We had like two months off and then... We got a job and it was big break. And then we had probably another month and a half, two months off. Like that second wind really yeah. caught us. And will you, will you take your trailer to Cali? That's what I was hoping, but this one is so short notice and we're on a deadline for it. They just called and we're like, Hey, we need it by this date because mm-hmm. they're having issues. We're repairing issues. Typically we're not on such a strict timeline, but this one in particular, I'm going to have to just take the truck and stuff it. Right, right. <laughs> so um, you are one of two people that I know that owns a, a trailer, which is the coolest. Okay. It's the coolest thing ever. I mean, I know you and Elena who both own them. And so right. can you tell the people 
kind of like how that came about and what that is like, what the, what the nomad life is like. Well, given that I was doing so much traveling, I was living in Charleston when I got this job, South Carolina, and I was hardly ever at the place and it was a little pricey. And for as little time that I was there, I was like, I feel like I'm just throwing money away. I was renting. I had a couple of buddies down there and it was a blast, but it was too pricey for my lifestyle. So I was like, just decided to be mobile and to be, um, you know, able at the drop of a hat, take off, have my whole life contained in a little box and take it right. with me. And uh, you, and you've been able to like revamp that space to make it like multi, like to use it for like multiple purposes, which is like that it right. assists you from your, in your traveling for work. And then you also have like converted an area of it into a studio for you to be like yeah. recording and making stuff. Um, yeah. And so I just think it's so cool that you were able to like make your, make your own space, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know, absolutely. Like, and I mean, just speaking of that, like we have to talk about Yerd and how it came about <laughs> and like, it, because it, I mean, I don't know. Let me also just give some people some context about like <laughs> of anybody in my life. This is Colin is the person I've known the longest, like, like next to like my parents probably and like immediate family like you know not even my brother and sister you know we like um most of my life have like have been with Colin you know our our parents are very like close friends we grew up when we were younger we lived a little ways away from each other but then Colin's family moved five minutes down the road Two days a week, he was after school at my house. Two days a week, I was after school at his house. Yeah. Um, we, like, I see his family on holidays every year. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't really have, like, um, a lot of cousins that I see frequently or, like, that we vacation with or anything. And, like, we vacation together, you know, growing up every other year. And, like, I mean, Colin and our other, like, family friends, um, I mean, those those were the boys that I grew up with and like those feel it's like family to me, you know? Um, yeah. so when Colin starts producing music, it's, I mean, it's, he's mixing at holiday parties and it becomes <laughs> this thing that everybody is as it, as it does with our like families, you know, when somebody like makes a choice, everybody knows about it and everybody has something to say about it. And <laughs> You know, yep. for, for better and worse. But I just remember this. Be, everybody was like, you're going to you have like a turntable. What are you what is happening? You know what I mean? It was very foreign to our parents and stuff. And so yeah. um, but I guess I just I mean, but I obviously I want to talk about that. And I want to know, like, how what was the impetus for, you know, for, for like going into music production? And I also and and just how has that evolved? And how you're like able to maintain that, you know, like maintain a balance of maintaining that career, like a music career and also, you know, paying bills and being on the road and stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's been a heck of a journey. That's for sure. And as you touched on, it was not everyone got it for quite some time, like all family, friends, uncles, aunts, everybody kind of didn't know how to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah just clearly no knowledge they were like oh you're doing like the beats thing everyone calls it the beats thing like because they (laughs) just have no other context and 
um they're like oh so is it this is it that and to be honest it doesn't it isn't really narrowed in um which is how i love it like i i was trying to pick my lane for quite some time as far as what i wanted to be branded as and like what i'm known for Mm -hmm. but i've experimented with so many different genres and styles and um just types of music that like i don't i don't like being boxed in like i don't i don't do it because i want to make like a certain kind of music i'm just like my passion for it is strictly just creation, making something new, making something that no one's ever heard and like mm -hmm. trying new things. So it's not necessarily it, like results based. Right. It's, it's it's about well, because also it's a very collaborative thing, right? Like it's, it's right. not just you, you know, you are like usually working with other artists to in that process. And so it like it's never yeah. I, I don't know in, in that way. Does it like remove the like, I don't know. I, I don't know, remove the notion that it has, that you have to like limit yourself to something. Um, I've definitely been told by a lot of people to own in if I want mm -hmm. to be successful in a certain lane. I, mm. I use lane, but um, like niche, like area of music. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really success oriented. Like there was, when I initially started, obviously, the pipe dreams were were alive and well and i was like you know what i mean i want to be marshmallow or whatever and mm -hmm. <laughs> um like that is very far from where i'm at now like i have big aspirations i still i'm gonna tour i'm gonna drop albums and like i plan on taking it as far as i can but it's not like I'm not driven to do it because I'm like, oh, I, I need this to like feel like whole. Like I mm. don't need it to sure. feel like I have value. You know what I mean? I was using it pretty toxically. I don't know if that's the word, but it was it was toxic for a little bit. But having some time in the game and perspective, um, it's just so much fun. You know what I mean? It's it's definitely just like a passion project for me, and been a blast. So really excited. Yeah, I, I mean, like you went to school for this. Like you, it's uh, you have like mm -hmm. like. Can you talk about that and how? What was the impetus to? Can I ask yeah. about like how old were you when you first started making beats and like when did you think like, hey, this is maybe something like I have a knack for? And then I'm kind of interested in like hearing Meg. I'm so happy you brought up like school and like a learning environment. So I'd love to hear about like how you kind of like got hands on like a computer making beats, like into like, I'm going to pursue this into like it becoming toxic and kind of like where you are. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, it, I, I started late in terms of some of my counterparts. Like I know a bunch of child prodigies out there, you know, start at 12 years old and make masterpieces or whatever. I didn't end up getting into it until about 19 or 20 i want to say later like around 20 the first show i ever played was my 21st birthday oh cool. so like shortly before yeah it was at a buddy's house we had like 50 kids out there and we just like rocked out his basement it was a lot of fun <laughs> um but i i have 
pretty colorful history with like drugs and alcohol. So I sort of found this type of music through that, like later. Uh-huh. And then that's where I really connected with it was that that stage of my life. And um, it just really struck me. I had like a really powerful experience with it. And I just felt like I could relate to it so well, having never met the person or heard anything about them. I just felt like I understood what they put into it. And that was very inspiring for me. So I was like, I want to do that for someone else. That was like the entire um, drive behind it initially. It was just, I want to be able to connect with somebody else through no words, just sounds, just beats. Yeah. So I was like, all right, you know, this is what I want to do. How do I do it? Kind of thing. And I connected with a buddy of mine who had studied audio engineering and I was chatting him up about like making it a career. What do I need to learn? What do I need to know? And he basically put me on and was like, check out this school. Actually it was right around the corner here in Rockville. Um, And it was a school for audio engineering which isn't making beats necessarily, but it's the study of recording sciences, like how microphones work. It's very technical based and it's more geared towards studio in the studio, every element of the studio. And (laughs) it's, it's funny that I, I mean, not funny. My, my parents don't (laughs) think it's funny. I spent all this money to go to school just to find out that that is most certainly what I don't want to do (laughs) because I spent so much time in the studio and the job of the engineer is not to have creative input. It's to twist the knob and to get it sonically as pleasing as it can be. Yeah. So like myself as the creative type, like I got into music for creation and for like expression. So losing that in the job was like oh i i definitely don't want that (laughs) which uh was a big shock to the family but um (laughs) and i did bounce around like in the industry shortly after like i did a little bit of speaker install and like live sound stuff um but it just wasn't the best fit i just really it helped me to recognize like it taught me a lot about how music works and how sound works and all the elements of it. And then it taught me what I wanted from it, which was just to cook, cook up. Right. And so how do you pivot? How do you, after, I mean, after realizing like, okay, so this is not quite it. um, But were you expecting that that would give you the tools to like further something or did, did you feel like it was a, was it still like a stepping stone or did you have to like completely like take a hard right turn or something? It definitely was intended to legitimize my passion. So I was like, sure. I justified it as like learning about what I want to do. And Mm -hmm. it was a bit of a pivot. Um, I, I'd always wanted to be a producer and a DJ that was always like on the, on the ballot, but Um, It definitely did shine light on the fact that I was going to have to find a different way. Like I, when I went into school, I was like, okay, I'll become an engineer and produce and DJ. Mm -hmm. And then after school, I recognized that I didn't want to engineer 
necessarily. I just wanted to focus on production and DJing. And how does like, when you are trying to put yourself out there or like establish yourself, do you have to have a body of work? Do you have to have like, what's most important, like a body of work or like a network of people that you're in with or, um, how does like, how do you go from sitting in your studio with your headphones on making something to like either you like mixing that publicly or sending it to somebody else to, you know, to record vocals on top of and collaborate? I mean, how does that, how does that work? I don't know anything about it. (laughs) Um, I would say the most instrumental piece in like establishing a brand and getting out is definitely the platform like having a platform and a following and like a group of people to tune in because Mm. I mean, if we're being honest, every 20 something with a laptop can kind of do what I do. You know what I mean? Uh, It's really not. We know. Yeah. We're talking, we're in the same situation. (laughs) I'm like, I swear to God, like, the second pandemic is everybody starting a fucking podcast in the, right. right. (laughs) Everyone picked up, like found their yeah. new hobby and they're like mm-hmm. now this is this is me this is like <laughs> and it's such an oversaturated market but that that's not to say that like talent goes unrecognized you know right. what i mean right. like yeah exactly and that's there's always room for more talent everyone wants new content and like something they can like agree with and and that they relate to so mm-hmm. the the difference is that if if I drop a song and like you know twenty of my best friends go check it out, like that, it doesn't really go anywhere. It's like having that network, like you touched on, is crucial as far as longevity and and like really building something, like having a foundation. And so, how did that network kind of develop for you in your time, or or how do you go to a lot of shows? Yeah, it was always like. So the the cardinal rule that I was told back in the day was, um, you know, one show should lead to another. Like, yeah. ideally, yeah. when you play a good show, you do well, someone sees it, they're like, hey, why don't you come to the next one, right? Same and deal with just... theater performance is the same yep. idea. Yeah. You know, every show should be uh, 10% of your job is doing the job and the other 90% is getting another one, you know? Right, right. And it is like a hustler mentality because you really got to be hungry to like on the search for new connections and opportunities and mm-hmm. and it's draining. Maintaining and, all the ones that you're making. Exactly, yeah. Which is where I am falling short, to be honest, because I'm, I'm not, I'm just, like I said, I'm not that hungry to like make a name or whatever. Like, I I could be much more involved with like a business mindset. Like as far as music goes, I don't look at it as like, oh, if I do this, then I can do this. You know what I mean? It's sure. it's always fun and it's happy coincidences that sure, like not lead ne- me to my opportunities. Not necessarily like strategizing, like yeah. you know, th- like and I feel like that's probably uh the least exhausting and like uh 
like best mindset, at least for like right now, where, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? There's not shows to go to, like, like you said, the market, everybody has a microphone and a laptop or like wired headphones, you know, with a microphone. And so people can, everybody's a content creator right now. And like, so it's especially hard to be like grinding and grinding, you know, uh, and like maintaining that in this time, um, especially. Have you found that like that the pandemic has shifted anything for you in terms of creation or inspiration? Um, it definitely gave me more time to work initially. Like when I had time off, I was in the studio a lot more, which was nice. and. I I did have like I had a show not long ago that was booked, tickets were sold, everything was ready to go, and then it got canceled last minute. Mm-hmm. Like it it definitely put a hurting on shows, and they're trying to get them started again, but it it's not quite there, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that definitely took a damper, because um, I was really starting to gain traction. I've I've started getting in touch with, like I said, one leads to another, like talk to one buddy it puts me on to another and i'm working with a couple different labels right now we're talking about releasing a single on one label i'm producing an album for uh, a pop album which is like way way out of my typical realm um i was playing shows with the first label i mentioned they all got canceled obviously Mm. like starting to get some traction and it definitely definitely took a hit when covid popped off but um been a real blessing to because that's what gave me perspective because for so long when i first got in i was like hungry like emailing so many beats just sending everything to labels like please notice me you know what Mm. i mean just like so Mm -hmm. thirsty of course and it was devastating because like if you're realistic you got to think how many hundreds of songs do they get per day you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh i'm different you know what i mean you get that (laughs) it's so personal to you that like of course you become so attached to it that it's like oh they'll notice me because i put my heart and soul into this but it's not like that at all right you get overlooked and and that's how the game goes so being able to step back and realize like i don't need this to like pop right now i don't need to become what i want to become right now was Mm -hmm. really really um great it ended up being really great i mean that's kind of interesting you speak to like the level of investment that like labels have in you versus like the level of investment that you have to have in yourself as an artist, you know, and just be like really fully committed to yourself, even if no one else is. Um, And I wonder, um, I mean, if you can speak to that, we kind of talked like touched on it a little bit at at the beginning, you know, especially like with our families are not very, are not people that are very like well-versed and have really, I think uh, they weren't in theater when I started doing theater. They uh, like, certainly like we're not in, you know, in the realm of beats, like, as you said, they call it beats beats in music production, anything. It's like, you know, um, and so I wonder if you can speak to that, like just having to really be invested and like, uh, 
I don't know, shoot your shot for yourself, even if there's like some mistrust or like misunderstanding from your family, your support system. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of my biggest dilemmas for the, because I'm a couple of years in, I've probably been producing, what is it, four or five years now? Yeah. And for the first couple of years, that was probably the hardest part because a lot of my inner circle, like my family, my friends, they don't like or appreciate the stuff that I was making. So mm-hmm. it's just that it's not I mean, the music that they listen to. Right. Typically. Right. It's just not their preference. So they right. don't know if it's good or bad, never heard anything like it. And they also right. don't enjoy it when they hear it. You know what I mean? And they have mm-hmm. like no and, frame of reference. Like even if they yeah, wanted exactly. to, like they would have no sense of like, is this what this kind of music sounds like when it's good? You know? Right. Yeah. They have no reference at all. So yeah. that was, tr- I, I might've showed my parents one or two beats before I was like, all right, this is, like, I don't know why I'm showing you this because it is not worth either of our time. You have no clue what's going on. But I mean, like every, all my people were so supportive, like they cared about me. So they were like, oh, this right. is great. Like it was just those blanket statements, like good job, you know? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it, I was really desperate for more insightful feedback so i i definitely held off and i i am blessed with the ability to look at my work very critically and from a third person Mm. so i i'm able to disassociate and detach from it emotionally and just look at it as if someone else made it and be like is this something that i would listen to is it sonically pleasing is it like I can break it down mm-hmm. and I it it's helped me like not looking outward for people to be like oh this is good to like really look at my own music and be like this is good you know what I mean right. is, I, it, is I it something I want to listen to yeah right right if I don't want to listen to it why would anybody else <laughs> like exactly. yeah because you trust your own taste and you you yeah. know yeah I I definitely it's not all the time. I'm not like a weirdo about it, but I will drive around and listen to my music. Like 100%. I love that. That yeah. rocks. Oh, I make music. And frankly, before we send it off to get mastered, um, my like friend and I who like are in this band together, we will drive. It has to pass the drive test. Oh, ev- yeah. Every single time. Every yeah. single time. If the song does not drive, it does not leave. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> And it's so funny how you can spend so many hours working on something and think that it's like pristine and then you play it in the car and it's so bad or like, that you're like, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. One that breaks my heart is like the difference between like hearing it in the studio cans and then hearing it off my iPhone. That like will yeah. really hurt you. Hurt you. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, we mix this yeah. so clean, and you can't hear a damn thing on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you talk about how um how the name came about? Because it because there was a shift. It was you were originally Knucklehead, which I thought right. was great, and because <laughs> Colin's dad, like to this day, refers to like, always. He is Knucklehead always to yep. his dad. <laughs> Yeah, he called me that for so many years that it just ended up sticking. 
actually i had a couple little phases early on where i I didn't even tell people but i was like oh this is what i'll call myself like i had ideas Mm -hmm. and they were so cheesy it was like little puns and stuff it was so dumb (laughs) but knucklehead was legit knucklehead was the first one where i got like business cards and websites and like really took it and then but the issue with it was i spelled it wrong like intentionally wrong because there was another artist called knucklehead so when you look up knucklehead it would go to some other guy so i was like oh i gotta separate yeah and then after enough times telling people oh it's not spelled like that it's actually this 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 it was like dude this is a waste of time like Mm -hmm. that is not practical right because most of my interactions as far as like oh check out my music are brief so I right. have maybe 10 seconds to be like, oh, yeah, look me up. It's da da da. But I can't be like, oh, it's knucklehead, but no K. And then you got to add two Ds and then don't put this. And like, <laughs> yeah, it was just it was frustrating. So, yeah, <laughs> I got yeard from, uh, you know, the Woodburns, but the my old, old buddies grew up with them. Uh, I was living These with are- them down in Charleston. These are the yeah, people we, that we went we on vacation with. with. Like, yeah. if we're talking about, like, if we're giving, like, the history so everybody can know, like, it's the yeah, Buns, right. the Greys, and the Woodburns. Like, we roll deep. Like, we yeah. roll very deep. <laughs> very deep. Um, <laughs> and it was every year we'd go on vacations. We're always at each other's houses. Just grew up together. Yeah. And these boys would always be throwing your, I forget, Misty had it from somebody i don't know where it originated i can't even trace it back but it's an acronym it's you heard you heard and so it's 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 super simple and it just kept flying around our house like (laughs) i would just hear it constantly and then eventually i was like in the midst of a rebrand and i was like you know like it fits the vibe Mm -hmm. so i was like all right you know i'm going for it yeah, I love it. I love it so much because number one, it's catchy. I think it's yep. super catchy. And number two, like it has, I don't know, for me as a listener, the same like nostalgic effect that Knucklehead did because I know what Yurd is like. I've, gosh, I've been yeah. hearing like these <laughs> just bits. Yeah. If I, yeah, <laughs> if I can recognize a good bit, it's because of growing up, uh, like in the group that we grew up with. Like everybody right. had a nickname as you all heard probably at the beginning of this, like (laughs) there is no one else in the world except for this group of people that refers to me as big mama. But like, that has been my name (laughs) since I was like nine years old, probably (laughs) I think is when it came about. Like imagine being a freshman, like walking, I walk into high school. This is like week one. All the boys are a year or two older than me. And down the hallway, I'm like at my locker big mama like yelling at I'm my face is flushed red like I could not (laughs) believe I'm like this isn't this cannot be happening but it was constant I mean and then it was fine you know like it eventually like became a very (laughs) endearing thing but and still is like an endearing thing to me but Ooh, there, you know, everybody has a nickname and everybody Mm. and there's so many like little phrases so all of this to say right. it like I just think that it has like the perfect I mean Harrison's band's name is baseball hat which has like the it's catchy it's like quick and it has the like nostalgic effect that, that, so I yeah I like um, that um, yeah I I want to shift gears a little bit kind of radically to go backwards 
towards the beginning of our conversation because I want to talk about like being mobile and being on the road and kind of what that's like and like how often are you out and about on the road how often are you kind of like sitting in one location and then what does like a typical day look like Oof. um so i spend probably i don't really have a home base anymore so okay. i'm always on the road but i do have like hubs that i visit often so i got people in raleigh that i go see a lot i have my family in maryland i come see a lot and like high school friends and buddies up here. I got people in Charleston. I try to go see as much as I can. So I'm always on the move, but I will hang out for a week or two or whatever allows. Um, and typically depending on where each job is, I'll bring the camper. And like right now, I don't know if I can see it from the window, but it's, um, parked in the parking lot of the hotel and uh -huh. just hangs out. I stay in the hotel. And then when I get on the road, I'll either do like a camping trip or like go see somebody and um, just fill up that time between the end of the last job and the start of the next one. What is your favorite place that you've been? Um, the Keys was really cool, Florida Keys. The we did, gosh, Myrtle Beach. I love the water, so I'm kind of a sucker for the water. But I will say, um, we did a job in Pennsylvania, like way up in the mountains, and we got to hit the Appalachian Trail for a bit, and that was stunning really, really pretty. And uh, how much like work did you do on the uh? On the uh, on the camper when you got it or the trailer, a pretty good bit. So I actually and a lot of people have asked me about it and they're like, "Oh, it sounds so cool." It is way more than you think it is. Like just to put your heart at rest, anyone who's listening, <laughs> it's not as peachy as it appears. Like there's a lot that goes into it. So my situation in particular, like ton of research to figure out which one I'd be able to customize to put a studio in because that was that was non-negotiable for me. Like I wouldn't have done this if I wasn't able to build the mobile studio. Um, so yeah, just getting that locked in and then I bought it up in Pennsylvania, middle of the pandemic super irresponsible and then i've been slowly make like studio is not done i have massive plans for it but as far as all the time off i had and the so in order to get the trailer i had to buy a new truck to tow the trailer so i made all these investments and then i was like um you know nothing's liquid to like cash on hand to put into this you know what i mean Mm -hmm. So it's been a slow and steady process building the studio, but my, a friend of mine helped me build the desk. I'm, I'm taking more credit than I should. He built the desk and I helped him put it in. Um, and it's like a custom desk. It fits right where the little dining table used to be. And the kitchen is a part of the studio, but after I'm finished, sound treating it it's going to be 
legit. It's going to be no joke. I have big, big plans for it. That's I mean, sick. that's a thing that people do. Like artists, when they are on the road, like they have oh, recording studio tour buses. Like, are you basing it off of anything? Or are you just kind of like using like what you know? As far as RVs go, I wasn't able to find very much online. I saw hmm. like big, big artists have like box trucks where like oh, professional okay. people will just build. It's essentially just a small room. And they just go crazy. Like there's couches and mm. TVs. And right, like, right. Oh, it's legit. But as far as RVs go, like mobile living, like the way I have it set up, I didn't see a lot online. And actually my study at audio engineering was tremendously helpful in mm. planning out the acoustic treatment for mm. the soundproofing and the sound treatment, which are two very different goals. So yeah. like soundproofing is so that I'm not bothering people when I'm in a parking lot and I want to work on something. And then sound treatment is for the studio space itself so that it's like a flat frequency response. So um, it was tricky and I, it's been a lot of planning, but I have an image in my head on how I'm going to do it. And when it eventually gets there, it's, it's definitely like, I'll probably do a YouTube video, which is not my speed at all, but I will share that because it, it will be a lot of time and effort put into it. So I think yeah. you were sharing. Yeah, you could do like, I lately on my TikTok, I'm pretty new to TikTok. And so it's still figuring me out. And I didn't really <laughs> know this about myself until TikTok showed me, but I am very into people like showing me their like renovation process of their room, <laughs> of their like or anything. Or people showing you their like, workspace. That's another thing that I really yes. like. There's a, uh, a big trend of like artists, show me your workspace. I love that kind of stuff. I love so that kind of stuff. you could make like a yeah. TikTok. And so like every little thing oh, that you do is like, they would freak <laughs> out. I'm sure. Do you I, have a TikTok? I did. So I'm, I'm in the middle of, I'm probably two months out now, but I got rid of all my social media. Okay. I didn't know that. So, which isn't very smart as far as building a music career goes, but for my mental health, it's been amazing. I got rid of everything. I have a Pinterest, which I use for tattoo ideas, but that I, I'll maybe look at it once a week or so. Like sure. I'm, that's not one that I'm, a huge fan of but like instagram snapchat all of that stuff tiktok tiktok is real bad i would sit on that joint for hours <laughs> like it's so addicting and it's it's cultivated that way you know like yes. they oh for sure like you said they learn you and they learn what you like so the second you hit the scroll it's something else that's like mm -hmm. feeding you know what i mean and it's those dopamine oh, yeah. hits so i yeah. was like i was just very toxic with it so i was like Nah, I can't do this. So I'm I'm taking a little bit of a, a break right now. Okay. Okay. Was there um was there anything that like spurred that? Like or have you like done this before? We, Harrison and I have both taken social media breaks before and they rock. Um and yeah, they rock. Big time. Uh oh, um Social Dilemma on Netflix. Yes. Very eye-opening, very scary. And yeah. that sort of got the ball rolling. And then I started looking at my habits and tendencies. And I was like, dang, I really got to get my life together. This is not healthy. Sure. And is that just like manifest for you? For me, it's like 
I will scroll and scroll and scroll. I'll like all sorts of things. I'm looking at everything and it like paralyzes me from participating. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, like I like Instagram stories. I don't know how people do like they customize them to make them look so beautiful. And like, did you spend 15 minutes on that? You have to be a graphic designer sometimes it feels like to be on there. It stresses yeah. me out. And and I don't know how to participate sometimes. I get paralyzed by like comparison and like how, how can I like play with these kids, you know? <laughs> and so I just sit out. But then I'm like, why am I even on here if I'm not participating? I should, I could just bow out, you know, it wouldn't, it would probably be better for me to do. So I'm also sort of like right now I'm I've like way cut back, but not completely cut off. But man, I respect it. I respect it big time. Well, I know for a fact you're being modest because I know you and your sister have hysterical Twitters. <laughs> and I haven't had Twitter in years, but I know we know a lot of the same people. And someone will always be like, yo, check out Big Mom's Twitter <laughs> or Kristen's tweet. And they're hysterical. So that I know is a lot. But I do understand that um, as far as not participating. I, I, I've never thought about it like that. How does it get like toxic for you? Or how do you realize that it's become toxic for you? I, well, Instagram is probably the worst one for me because I'm definitely very comparative by nature. So mm -hmm. when I look at people's like, obviously that's not what your life is really like. So when I see yeah. the highlight reel, I'm like, oh man, like I start getting in my feels. I'm like, oh dang, man. If I had that, I would be that mm -hmm. happy or whatever. So it gets, I'm very introspective. So it's just dangerous for me to see too much of people I don't know far surpassing me. Cause then I'm looking at myself like, oh man, you're, you're awful. You should be doing better. Da, da, da. Sure. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. And, and I know there's like, and in different ways for everybody. It's so, it's so sure. interesting. Yeah. Mine is I start to, there's people that I know that I start to be like, you are not like this. Why are you being like this online? Right. That's the one where oh my, my, my view of people that I know, like, and know personally have sat down with and I, and I start to be like, oh, I'm starting to see you different because of online. That starts to freak me out. That starts to get mm -hmm. me. Right. And it's like, big mom, like you were talking about, there's like a learning curve with it. Like, I have friends who are in marketing and I have friends who are like super Instagram famous and mm -hmm. there's like a whole strategy and you got to know how to work the software and all this. Yeah. And that. Like I was always just like, take a picture, write something funny under it. And then, you know, hope for the best. Like mm -hmm. here, this is for my mom and my friends, <laughs> right. like look at it, like it. I don't really care. Good for you. Right. And right. I didn't realize how, deep the rabbit hole really goes for a long yeah. time and then when I saw that I I, I couldn't unsee it I was like, oh, mm -hmm. this is sad yeah yeah it's it's uh and it's hard because like it was or originally I mean like so the intention is so pure right like connect. it's a way to connect it's a way to right. like and and I I was sharing pictures left and right it didn't matter what it was of I'm like just got home from a voice yeah. lesson like you know throw up a peace sign yeah. like whatever you know what I mean like you just anything and now it's like 
it has to be premeditated. I probably am going to sleep on it. I'm probably going to consult six people beforehand. And mm-hmm. like, sometimes the, like you're doing things for the purpose of like, or like while you're doing something, it's like, stop, we got to take a picture, you know, for, so I can like for the gram right. for the gram is the most annoying thing to me ever. Oh. But people who yeah. go to restaurants simply because they want to post on Instagram, you mm. are, you got, you, you got it. You got it, I guess. That's for you. <laughs> you got some stuff. You got some real stuff going on. <laughs> That's the um, worst. And honestly, I that in particular has become very apparent to me in traveling. So right. being on the road so much, I, I do a lot of hiking. I love waterfalls and being on the water, this and that. And I found myself getting to these beautiful remote locations and the first thing I do is pull out my phone and snap a picture. I cannot tell you the last time that I went through my pictures and was like, oh, that was right. nice. Like, I'm not taking the picture for my later enjoyment. It was, it, it just felt, it was like a natural, just like, oh, remember this. But mm-hmm. rather right. than doing that, I've been trying to push myself to like, leave my phone in the car or Honestly, I will keep it in my pocket, but do everything I can not to pull it out because I want to enjoy, like, I want to be there for the right reason. Right. Right. When you're doing stuff like that, like when you're spending time alone like that, um, do you, are, do you like meditate? Are you listening to music? Are you listening to podcasts? Are you like cool just being with your thoughts? Um, I do hang out with my team a good bit and we will travel and like go hike together and Mm -hmm. such i typically if i'm alone i'm definitely in my head just trying to be present stay calm definitely a little bit of meditation out there Mm -hmm. drink it in kind of take my time i don't do music a lot i like i'll do music when i'm driving but out there i definitely just try to be in the element yeah have you always been good at like taking time for yourself or like being by yourself I am a little too good at at being alone like I've I've later learned to enjoy my own company which is huge Hmm. but the the simple task of like sitting by myself super comfortable with it super comfortable I really enjoy it you said something that's very interesting to me, which is that like you're very good at being alone, but like there was a shift where you've like now learned to enjoy your company, your own company. Mm-hmm. So what was what was prior to that? Like Ooh, when uh just loads of trauma, like so mm-hmm. much trauma. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but like I I couldn't be more grateful now. Like Big Mom, you you've been around. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know the story. Harrison, I know we don't know each other all that well. But I definitely had a very dark time that at the time was like um devastating. And I was like, Oh, woe is me. Um, you know, I couldn't believe that I was dealt such an unfortunate hand. And then over the years that has turned out to be my like one of my greatest strengths is like everything I've been through it's such a blessing to have 
so much experience and it's taught me empathy and compassion and appreciation and gratitude like it it's worth its weight in gold it, it would really you be is. willing to share a little bit about that if not you don't have to I know it's like a deeply personal thing I'm coming in I saw that it was it was the podcast like the touch on mental health and I really I like that and to be honest with you I I definitely um try to share on it openly like where possible I'm not just going up to strangers like hey you want some you want some drama guess what (laughs) but um it would be selfish of me not to like I I try to use it for other people's benefit because the number one thing that was so difficult about that time was feeling like no one understood me you know what I mean when you're in that dark place it's like you just feel crazy and you just label it these blanket terms like oh I'm just different I'm just weird but when you really dig in it's not as abnormal as you tell yourself and um Mm. just hearing someone else share on, on it was huge for me in that time um I was I'm not really going to dip into my history with addiction too much um, just to protect my anonymity on that one. But I will say I definitely am no stranger to a drink or a drug. And that was fueled by, um, I have bipolar disorder. And that was diagnosed pretty early on because it's not typically diagnosed until like mid to late twenties. And yeah, that that was definitely the fuel for the fire for many years. And before and I knew what was going on. When did up? how old were you when that when you got that diagnosis? Oof. So I got I ended up getting really deep into my depression and then mania swings at like 16 15 16 was when it kicked and then um through like I ended up getting the therapy shortly after ended up a couple rehabs a couple trips to the hospital like really really went through you know yeah. all you can see yeah. down there and the the Therapy was when I ended up getting to the root of it after a couple months. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember like so much about that time, but I just, re- and I remember, I'm grateful that you're sharing about it, number one, and I'm proud of you for sharing Thank about you. it. And, yeah. um, and because I do remember that the feeling that you're talking about, about feeling like no one else was going through it. I mean, like we weren't talking about it like right. you know in our in a group of people like it wasn't even it what but like but you were like not you were not there or you were not there in the same ways that like you had always been and it was and it was weird that it wasn't talked about and so I I'm sorry that you felt like you know that you felt so alone you know I mean and I wish that we had been like better community for you then you know that I appreciate that and that is really tough because it's it's way way easier to talk about it now than it was in the in the middle of Of it so I guess any advice I would have for 
anyone who is going through it or or knows someone going through it is just have the conversation like it may be a little sticky at first but once the ball gets rolling it can work wonders to just say out loud this is what's going on like you immediately just feel this load on your chest like oh it's finally not just me sitting Mm. with this one thought spiraling all day long like as soon as you get it out and then whoever you're talking to can immediately bring some reality into it because when you're sitting up here all day it's like it can go so far down the rabbit hole that it just becomes distorted and then like if I come to big mom and I'm like hey I'm thinking of this she's like no that's you know what I mean but where's this coming from what's going on and right. you can dissect it and see like what's really going on so so you're diagnosed and then you you are going to therapy and stuff and is that like is that like the turn in the road for you um that wasn't quite the turning point I had a lot of um fighting to go through it definitely took me a very long time and I will say that therapy was hands down the most influential um, tool I was given during this time. Like I was Mm -hmm. medicated. I was self-medicating. I was using everything I could find to try to feel better. And therapy Mm -hmm. was the one thing that gave me the tools to fix, not fix, treat myself. Sure. Yeah. And the turning point for me was... um, I don't know if I want to dig too deep into it but it was very a very raw experience with my mom and um oh I'll I'll touch on it very briefly it was I was extremely suicidal for the better part of three years so and I wasn't I would talk about it for this little glimpse of relief and then I would go back in my shell for a couple months like I just kept building, let a little steam off, build, let a little steam off. And then I finally reached this pinnacle. I had the, the day, it was, um, the time had come. And then um, that was stripped from me without, you know, I know that doesn't really mean much uh-huh. in this context, no. but mm-hmm. I wasn't, it immediately disappeared. That option disappeared mm-hmm. in an instant. And like to be, suicidal and hormonal and not understand what's going on is rough and that sucks but to have all your eggs in this basket of oh it's going to be over soon like don't worry like that was my that I found solace in that I found Mm -hmm. contentment in it's almost over and that was stripped in an instant and that like that that was a bottom that I didn't know existed. Like I thought I was at the mm-hmm. bottom. That was not the bottom. Like, to have mm-hmm. nothing, nothing at no, all. No, no was, option. Yeah, yeah. Your only option was just taken. And then like I had to relearn how to live. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When you you live like that for three years, like you don't you don't know how to take care of your yeah, my hygiene, my friendships, my communication like all of that is on the back burner so then when I realized that my out is gone that's where the shift 
and it wasn't immediate. It was, it was months and months before I really started, but that's where I started learning, um, like how to live again and like trying to find that new way out, um, find something new to believe in. Well, I mean, you sort of, I'm really struck. First of all, thank you so much for sharing. Um, yeah, I love you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I love you too. And, uh, I know that a huge part of, of any kind of, in my experience, therapy, etc., is like finding meaning and finding purpose and reason um, to every every day and all this. And and for some people that can look like directly like religion, and for some people it looks like something like faith or spirituality. And I'm kind of wondering um, through all that, like what is kind of like your spiritual life look like? Ooh. I'm happy. Yes, that's a really good question. Um, because that is, that is instrumental. Like when you spend so much time in your head, in like the physical sense, the only way around that is to tap into the spirit and to tap into the idea that you're not just skin and bones. You're not like your mind is an organ. You know what I mean? It's it's like Mm -hmm. that process of stepping outside of we think you are and starting to realize that you have more to you than your thoughts. Um, so my spirituality stems from, uh, I was raised Catholic and I was devout for quite a bit. Big mom knows like we were in the church. We were, we were very involved. Mm-hmm. And during the time of my life, I was just talking about, um, I, as you might assume, fell off from the church, stopped praying, disappeared. And for a while, I was definitely cursing God, like, why me? Um, I was Mm -hmm. very resentful towards faith in general. Um, And I ended up finding spirituality again through um, certain drugs that I was doing. I ended up, which is so weird to say, but like I would take certain drinks and drugs and like I just started recognizing like the spirit and the soul and getting really mm-hmm. profound with all my thoughts and I would there's a good phase in my life where I would just get right by myself and then just go out and pray for and I didn't know who I was praying to or what was up there like just touching into spirituality was mm-hmm. imperative during that time. Yeah. Imperative. Just to recognize that it's not, it's so much bigger than you. You're not just like your thoughts. Right. Like, and, so much and like, where do you find yourself now? So I actually have found my way back to a Christian belief. I not catholic anymore but definitely christian for sure i had a super powerful experience not long ago with a friend of mine and ended up um coming back and like seeing it again because for the longest time probably about four or five years maybe six i was just i was very spiritual very involved spiritually Mm -hmm. but i wasn't like religion turned me off tremendously I really could not stand the pageantry of 
look how much I love God. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I can't stand like it being forced down my throat. Like I view it as very intimate and very um, personal. Like when I pray, it's, it's not like I, I could do a little more worship, but most of the time it's very, very personal and intimate. I need to be in solitude. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. And the church was often a place for rejoice and praise. And it just, it didn't feel sincere for the longest and, time. And I battled with that. And dramatics too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like ultimately sure. there are dramatics that go on and there, and at the same time, like there are some people that have like a very beautiful faith, like full of humility that they access mm-hmm. through religion. And there are other people that like, as you said, are there for the pageantry of it, you know? There's just a lot that it's like comparative, like you will, like we were talking about, you know, when you, when you practice in that like communal setting, it can very quickly go from something that's like, has the opportunity to be like beautiful and powerful because of community and turn to like, I don't know, it can just turn quickly, you know, it can oh, yeah. be manipulated Absolutely. as anything can, but yeah. Um, well, that's, I'm glad that you've like found your way back to something. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, for sure. Well, I sort of feel like now I'm really curious because I'll speak from my own experiences. I've exper- experimented with, um, with a good amount of drugs and had pretty good, sure. close sure. to goddamn religious experiences on them, like <laughs> unbelievable, um, stuff. And, and, uh, I first of all like I love that it that those experiences brought you closer to like a uh like a, a like a Christian type of faith. I think that's really cool and interesting and I'm wondering having both the knowledge of like the Christian faith and and what happens in the afterlife there and um I think that like the concept of drug uh, the concept of death comes up a ton um on certain drugs. So I'm wondering kind of like, what do you think happens when we die? Like given those two things, like, because I feel like I, in my personal experience, I started out Catholic and I had this very rigid view of the afterlife. And obviously like that shifted and shifted. And then when I took mushrooms, um, I was suddenly like, I've been here before. I'm going to be this again. It's all just like flowing in and out of itself. You know, and so I'm kind of wondering, like, where have you landed on, like, what happens at the end of our, like, these, what happens when these, like, bodies, like, expire? Man. Um, I hold both, I can see both. Like, I really do hold both right. of those ideas as being. Yeah, absolutely. And the psychedelics definitely dig into, like, during that time, I was definitely digging into more different religions and just looking into like what else is out there i was like mm-hmm. i was right. essentially just butthurt i was like i got burned at catholic church so like what else you got show me something such as and, the way of um, most catholics yeah right <laughs> there's so many cradle catholics who are just yeah like so resentful towards also, all religion i also have to say that catholics just brief sidebar catholics we have had I'm I'm a recovering Catholic. We've had so many. Uh, we've had cafeteria Catholic as a phrase on here. Cradle Catholic. The Catholics <laughs> be loving their cute nicknames. 
Anyway. Definitely one of the strongest reputations. <laughs> it, it, it carries a lot of water when you say Catholic. Oh, yeah. But I ended up digging into a bunch. Of, like, I got super interested in transcendentalism, which is what you were touching on, like, as far as I understand. I've been here. I will always be here. Like, everything is all one reincarnation so on and so forth and um like hinduism buddhism all these different teachings and for the longest time i was just taking bits and pieces from all of them and you know i like to implement like so many people have said it, it's at the end of the day all religions are just gearing towards be a better person do the next right thing like it doesn't matter serve who your community yeah, it's just tapping into the spirit is what I feel is hands down most important. I don't care who you pray to. Like the fact, the prayer, the act of prayer is far more important than who you pray to. Mm. But as far as after we're gone and where I stand on that, I avoid that. I don't really have an answer for you because I get in a weird space when I get that far ahead. It is I, that's that it that's very fair. Absolutely. It challenges my faith. A hundred percent challenges my faith. Because it's it's so often gone back and forth on. That's like one of the most disputed topics of all time. What what's next to come? And, it's a great uh, question. Yeah, right. That one that's a heavy one. I don't I don't know if I have a firm answer for it. I have maybe an easier question. Do you yeah, have a favorite a tattoo? <laughs> Do you have a favorite tattoo? Yes. Um, maybe it's a little harder than I thought. <laughs> I want to say, okay, so <laughs> most sentimental is a noose that says, hang in there. <laughs> It's pretty funny. I love it's it. <laughs> and it it means the world to me just because, like, given my history, now that you guys are up to speed, mm-hmm. I clearly have a very intimate relationship with the idea of death. So it doesn't, it's not as scary to me. Like, I've, I've had conversations with people where death comes up and they get clammy and tense. And, like, I'm very comfortable talking about death. So, like, I, given all I've been through, I like to humorize it to, like, I, I feel like I've earned it. You know what I yeah, mean? I don't well, know no, if that makes sense. The humorizing it, like, owns it in a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's like, I know this. Yeah. It's like friends. Like, you don't make fun of, like, somebody else, like, can't make fun of your friends, but, like, you can, right. like, tease your friends, you know? Like, I know this. Yeah. I have danced with this, like... I feel like in order for me to like, I don't know, I, I, I'm i interpreting it as like in order to be able to like claim the experience as your own, like that's how you're going to choose to do it. Yeah, that's very well put. I agree. That's what I was getting at. So that's the but most yeah. sentimental. What's, what's, what did you have another one that was like a runner up or something yeah, that? That's the most <laughs> sentimental. What's the funniest? <laughs> the funniest one I have, I'm going to take my pants off, but bear with me i'll just give you the tat 
So I have a. Hope you can see this. Hey. Oh my gosh. That's on my thigh. I permanently forever. I lost. I don't know if you do. You guys play odds? Mm-mm. What are odds? Mm-mm. It's like so. Just to give you a backstory, what are the odds like? If I was like, yo, big mom, what are the odds you go ding dong bitching right now? Or just like, it's like betting. Like, sure. what are the okay, odds? Sure, and then sure. you'd be like, sure. one in 10. And then we count down, and we're like, three, two, one. And if we hit the same number. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah then yeah. I have to do it. Right. So <laughs> I was playing that with a buddy of mine, and we were talking about getting tattoos, and we hit the same number. So. Me and my buddy both got the, um, I don't know, what do you call this? for? I don't for even know. It's like the meme. It's like, it's the, like got your neck. It, yeah, it's like the got your neck. It's the meme okay before it was a white power symbol. Like, it, it's like the reverse okay. It's like, but, I always heard told it was like butthole. Like, don't yeah. look at the butthole is what I was told. It, but it's a meme of like an upside down. Started. We will research and find the correct name for this in the post. That There's got to the be a reason the post yeah. exists. We'll do some memeology. But, but to describe to everyone what we just saw, it's like it's a it's it's like a skeleton hand, and it is the index finger touching so the thumb, and then the other three fingers. You know, you just do it with your own fingers, and you'll and you see what naturally happens. Below upside your down. waist. Yeah. And then when you with if your buddy looks at it, you get to punch him. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone's played this game. If you had a childhood, that's what it is. <laughs> your fingers should make the okay, and your fingers point at the ground. That's the yep. best yes. way I can describe it. That's the one. And I put that smack on my thigh, and that's so. Funny. I get people all the time. I know. I love it. I really do love it. <laughs> okay, and I have um, one last tattoo question. What one hurt the most? Because uh, I have two tattoos and I'm a big baby and I have talked uh, very openly on this podcast about how painful I (laughs) experienced my tattoo and also how I'm a complete idiot and going to get more. (laughs) I I love them with all my heart. I'm going to be covered eventually. The most painful is, uh, I don't know, up like in the armpit, like the one I was showing you, that one hurt like crazy. But in the pit of the elbow, like the the top mm, uh-huh. of the elbow right in here, was rough. That was very rough. <laughs> yeah. I want to say that's the worst one. I had my elbow. Elbow wasn't too bad. I didn't go on the bone. So I can't really talk about elbow too much. Um, the leg definitely tickled. I'm a very ticklish person. And I was real squeamy on that one. <laughs> and... As I mentioned, this was a bet, so we just went to the closest place. So I had some big biker mid forties, oh, <laughs> like grown ass man, like, and it's high on my thigh. Like he was all up in my business, and I'm sitting there like a little schoolgirl, like, <laughs> and it was it was very embarrassing. But that was the most uncomfortable. But the pain wise, definitely pit of the elbow. That was rough. Um. We have what is called the um the lightning round that we do every episode and it is it's lightning in name only so you can answer at whatever speed you want but these okay. are the questions. When is the last time you cried? Oof. 
it's been too long, but probably like sad cry or just cry in general. Uh, it could be either. It's vague. Uh, <laughs> cried from laughing probably a couple days ago. Okay. Sad cry. It's been quite a bit. Do you like months. to cry? I or yeah. do you? Yeah. I mean, like as much as I like Yes, of course. It's um, it's a huge release for sure, emotional release. So I definitely, I get a lot out of it. I wouldn't say I like it, but I definitely appreciate sure. it. Or do you find yourself like moved to tears by things? Yes, for like sure. pretty easily. I think more often than not, it's um, like when I'm triggered. Like very rarely does emotion bring me all the way to tears. Sure. I, okay. Through my history, I. You know, I don't really, I don't know, I just don't really go there. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I definitely, I'm I'm pretty quick to cry at, like, these, <laughs> like, the notebook. You pull the notebook out. And definitely, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get you, man. It does hit every time. Like, at the, I don't know if anyone, spoiler alert, but, uh, at it's, the end. It's... Spoilers for a nearly 20-year-old movie. Like, <laughs> I know, yeah, right. If you haven't seen it by now. Um, but yeah, at the end, when you find out this whole time, it's him. Oh, yeah. It's brutal. And like, I remember all those Nicholas Sparks movies, books, I was reading them in probably like middle school. Like, they are, they were wrecking me. Like, <laughs> I couldn't even fathom, you know? Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Yeah. At my seventh grade birthday party, have you ever seen A Walk to Remember? Have you ever watched that? It's about it like a sixteen-year-old. Can't think of it. This young, like sixteen-year-old couple, like whatever. She gets cancer, and like it, oh it's like gosh. terminal, and like oh, we were watching. Yes, yes, yes. I know exactly <laughs> so, what you're talking about. That one. My mom. Me, like, oh my gosh! Right, my mom was like, "This is not a sleepover movie. <laughs> this is not a birthday party movie. What the hell?" But... <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, you kind of answered the when is the last time you cried, but or laughed so hard that you cried, which is the next question. But do you remember what it was that made you laugh? Oh my gosh, I laugh at the dumbest stuff. My sense of humor is very... The bar is on the floor. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Once I get going, it's just very easy. Actually, it was my... um, Me and an old buddy were catching up, and we were talking about his dad back in the day, and I just started crying throughout the last... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, What is the last version of yourself that you look at and don't identify with anymore? And what has changed? Oh, my gosh. Um, Man, there is so much. Old Colin is uh, a piece of work. (laughs) I've been, I I have had so many phases that I I view each one as kind of like a version of me. Mm -hmm. And basically... It feels like every six months I'm like a whole new person. So mm. just looking back, it definitely um like I learned so much from each different phase and season, I guess you could say. But um yeah, I just feel like uh I, I feel like I'm changing so much and I try to. I definitely put a lot of emphasis on self development and introspection and just like 
seeing what's going on, you know what I mean? Before I get right. too old and it just solidifies into my personality. Like I want to attack all of the things that don't really mesh well with who I want to be and um, get a good grasp on them while I can, while I'm still malleable. Right. And do you feel like those past versions of yourself, like you, if you don't identify with them anymore, like, can you, do you still like, I don't know what sort I'm looking for. Like, um, I don't know. Can you still like associate yourself with them or do they feel like you have like removed from like who you are now or are they just like a stepping stone on the way to who you are now? No, I, I definitely still associate with those parts of me because I mean such a tremendous impact like everything yeah. we've talked about I mean right it definitely molds you um so I don't feel like oh that's like not even me um mm-hmm. but I just definitely I don't I don't think that way anymore so it's just a different mindset but I'm still able to recognize that like that's a piece of me and um brought me here yeah yeah um and the last question is, if you could implant one piece of advice into the universe for yourself to hear every day, what would it be and why? Um, get out of your head. There's so many. Get out of your head is definitely the first one. Spend a lot of time up there. and It's not safe. Um, stop using should. That's a good one that was given to me years ago. Um, should is just an awful way to compare like it's constant comparison so don't should yeah. yourself to death um and usually um, should is like according to who like uh, what i should right. who is telling me i should you know it's right. a very it's usually a self-imposed thing and, yep should like also implies <clears throat> obligation instead of desire right and like right Mm. damn yeah and like when you want to do things or like the you know that that is like different than than i should do this right yeah you know should has obligation damn Mm. yeah wow that's yeah that's very well put that's a great piece of advice don't should yourself do not should yourself and don't should yourself either (laughs) <laughs> I was say, so shit yourself and do not shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Colin, where can people uh find you online, support your work, support your music? People can find me at Yurd Music on all platforms. Um, it's just Yurd on Spotify and Apple and all the streaming, but all socials. I don't have them, so I can't you know text you back or whatever or like you back <laughs> any of that but you can go check it out if you want to see more if you want to check me out um definitely check out my music a lot more coming and it's easy listening you, you can show it to your mom it's not actually there's a couple swear words but you know <laughs> it passes the car test it passes the car test so <laughs> um well colin it was so good to see you thank you so much for for talking to us and for sharing so much of your heart and your story and love you and i can't wait to do this again sometime yeah it's been a real pleasure thank you guys so much and big mom it's always a treat and harrison really great meeting you pleasure
really and had a blast on here. Thanks, bud. And have the safest trip across the country. Yes. Oh, Please. thank you. Yeah, I can't wait to see lots of pictures and stuff. I hope it's yeah. for the best. Yeah, we got a couple weeks out west, so I'm really excited. Right on. So, listen. I know... <laughs> I know sometimes I'm out here yucking people's yum about social media, so to speak, you know? And like, if you, I just want to say, I just want to go on the record for saying that, like, even if something is not for me, even if I don't participate in that way, uh, or the same, the same ways that other people do, I, I respect it. If it brings you genuine joy, uh, and if it's superficial joy, then I would love you to evaluate that. But if it is genuine, <laughs> then I, then I, I respect that, and I, I want you to have a healthy relationship with validation. Uh, and so I just want to put that out there because I feel like sometimes in this episode, I was like, mm, I just, yeah. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> I, for one, think if you loathe social media, that's the perfect time to post more and more. So everybody get on there, make it as toxic as possible for yourself, have a ball, don't assess at all what it's doing to you. Um, just go through life completely ignorant of how your existence is affecting yourself or other people, you know, and really have some fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> speaking, speaking of self-awareness, uh, or lack thereof, um, I don't know why I, no, I do know why. We we talk a little bit about just like defining success in this episode. And so I'm wondering how do you define success or what are success markers for you? That's like a really hard question, Meg. Um I know. I actually know it is a hard question because I have been thinking about it all week. <laughs> uh I think the things that I would want to say, uh I would measure success by are not the things that I actually do. Right. Um, yeah, that's so hard. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, like in, I feel like the previous answer I would give to this is like, am I booking shows, baby? But now that's like <laughs> not, and that's also just not like a good metric of success because like, it's such a fucking crapshoot every time anyway, you know, like, you could be a fantastic performer who's just not, there's just not things that you're fitting into right now, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. Success for me is like, do I feel like, um, in anything, do I feel like I like showed up and did what I could do that? I like contributed the most that I was within my abilities, my given abilities and like, um, position, like do the most that I can or like fulfill my job to the best standard. You know, that's sort of how, I mean, that's how I think about this podcast. Like, you know, uh, for me, a bad episode is like when I'm like, feel like if I'm checked, if I feel like I'm checked out at all, you know, or like if I feel like I'm not like, you know, engaging in the, in that way or like with writing music, I feel like it's not a success. The only success is like, do we like the song? You know, did we show up and do the best job mm -hmm. to write the best song that we could write? Um, and I think in theater, I was by the end, it, uh, I was hoping, and I hope when I go back that it's like, did I show up and do the best job that I could do today? Like whether that's an audition, whether that's rehearsal, you know, 
Did I know my stuff? Did I make sure that the room was like enhanced by me being in it? Yeah. 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 That's okay. Okay. I like that answer a lot. Yeah. Nice. That's well put. Well, that is success, I have right? Been thinking- like you can't be responsible for results ever. You're only responsible mm-hmm. for the work itself. Right. Right. Well, that makes me think of, in conjunction with this question, um, my answer is related to something I heard in on a podcast a week or two ago. This either parable or maybe it is actually an experiment that was done, but can't remember the specifics, but I'm going to phrase it as a story. So this uh, like kid is playing in uh, like a sandbox or something. Every day she's playing in the sandbox. She really loves it. One day somebody sees her playing there and like notices that she comes back every day and plays there. So then they say, I love how much fun you're having. I love what you're doing. Um, can I, I, I want to give you a dollar every day. You come back here, just do the same thing. Like, just have fun. Like, I just want, you know, I, I just really appreciate like that you love what you're doing. So the girl like comes back to the sandbox every day, every day, keeps getting a dollar. And then one day the person says, uh, she, you know, she goes like to get her dollar and the person says, oh, I don't, I'm like, I don't have any more money to give you. Like I'm out. Um, and she says, well, I'm not coming back tomorrow. And like, oh, I'm just thinking about like, uh, I never want to get to that. I, I don't want to get to the point where like, I don't want to play if I'm not being, if there, if it's not incentivized. And so I am thinking about like, my uh, my metric of success is going to be like i need to it needs to be more like internal i need to start making them more like um well it's like did i have fun did i again did i show up and do the most that i could do like instead of it being these external motivators that are making me like show up or evaluate my worth or um like as a person or product um you know, just making that drive to, to do or whatever I do, you know, because it like comes from within, you know, yes, that is successful. Yeah. So anyway, I've been thinking about those two things in conjunction and I like your answer a lot showing up to do like showing up in the, in my fullest capacity at the time and doing, you know, yeah, I think that's, that is really good. Yeah, it's also just like half anyway. the bag, right? Like if you want to learn something, yeah. like find somebody who knows how to do it and then like take put the time in to like learn how to do it. You know, like there's I feel like so much of life, like I hate that quote cause it's fucking attributed to Woody Allen or whatever, but like that 90 percent of life is just showing up, which is like true. Right. Right. It's 100 percent true. Yeah. So that's that. Glad to pick your brain about it. And something else I would like to pick your brain about is um, if you were 10 years old, say, and you were going to like recommend music to me, or you were going to let me borrow a CD that you would put in your Walkman, maybe not even 10, maybe like 10 or younger, I'll say, what would it be? I'll tell you what Colin Gray specifically gave me. Mm -hmm. Uh, He gave me Green Day. 
He gave me American Idiot, the CD. Um, he gave me an Aaron Carter, Aaron's Party A classic CD. album, How I Beat Shaq, I Want Candy. Uh, yeah, it's the best album. And he also made this like, he was the first person that showed me how to like burn CDs, you yeah. know? So like to, and so he made me like a burned CD, uh, which included Yeah by Usher. And I really- <laughs> An incredible album. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, those were, that's what, that's what Colin's like young recommendations were to me. What would yours be? Okay. So the age thing is hard. So like, I don't know exactly 10 years old. I can probably pinpoint within that handful of ages. Like, so we're talking okay. about like when you first start getting into music that you're independently picking yourself, right. Is, is essentially what we're saying. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, because yes, I remember like, like at like 10 or 11, I think I got an iPod for the first time. And I remember the first things I downloaded on iTunes for sure. Uh, I'm Not Okay by My Chemical Romance. Red Light District by Ludacris. Um, what else was on that fucking CD? Because I had a burn CD. Oh, damn. What the hell else was on CD? I used to listen to that CD all the time. Oh, Somewhere Only We Know by Keen. You know that song? So we oh, sure. we have, oh, yeah. oh man, that's one of the first songs I downloaded from iTunes. Um, the first albums I remember having were like Young and Hopeless by Good Charlotte, American Idiot, Green Day, um, the Simple Plan album with Do You Ever Feel Like Breaking Down? <laughs> um, that's what I probably would have given you. I probably would have given you some Good Charlotte because I probably would have been like, this band's from freaking Maryland. I knew about Good Charlotte when I was in second grade because I went over to Alyssa Manley's house and her older brother was friends with one of the band members. And so it was like kind of a, they had like a good, he had like a Good Charlotte poster in his room. And we talked, we talked about that. Like, <laughs> I just remember that. Uh, I met Joel Madden. He was because they were from, heroes. from Waldorf. Mm -hmm. I met him. I met him. The at wild. A, I met him at the Annapolis Mall where dreams come true fucking surreal i was like this was like a dude who like i had seen live this was like a, towards the tail end of me giving a shit about them too and mm -hmm. i like was in the annapolis oh Mall. nice like closure oh, and i used to love them and i kind of moved on you know i started listening to adult bands like fallout boy um and, <laughs> and so i'm like i had like tried to meet them on numerous occasions i had met with their mom at a, a random flea market that I was at. She saw like my good Charlotte shirt and was like, my son's in that band. Cool. It was cool. That's and wild. Ultimately I'm in the Annapolis mall. Like I'm at the end of giving my shit about like good Charlotte. And I like turn a corner and I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking Joel Madden. Like my hero. And so I finally just like, I finally like muster up the like courage to run up to him and be like, Hey man, like your music like changed my life. And he was like, Oh, that's so cool. You want to take a picture? And we took a picture. And my friend Ryan, who also really loved them at the time, missed the whole thing because he was taking a shit, which I think is a really funny story. And I told it in my public speaking class in high school. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. the things you could miss yep. in the blink of an eye at the Annapolis Mall. So I just think that story is just to just never take a shit ever. In any situation, <laughs> ever. Um, uh, something else I want to know, probably something you didn't know, is that there are people in this world that refer to me like solely as Big Mom. Um, and 
so I am wondering if you like had any nicknames growing up. Um, now my, my mom calls me HJ and like people really, really close to me, like call me HJ. Um, okay. But that's like not even really any of my friends do. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like my mom did. I have one ex who likes to call me that. But that's like the only real nickname I've ever had. Whereas my sister, like, doesn't even go by her real name anymore. Like, my sister has not gone by her real name, like, since she was, like, three, by her legal name. Oh, wow. Yeah, because she's always been Lulu. She's never been. Right. She was Alexandra, and then uh, they called her Allie Lou for a while. And then she was, no, no, she was was Alexandra, and then she was um, Allie briefly, which my dad fucking hated. And then she would, like, gone to a phase where she was destroying everything, so she was Allie Zilla, and then she was Allie Lou, and then she's just became Lulu. And she's been Lulu, like, since she was, like, two or three. Mm. And she tried to have a phase that. a- of being, like, I'm not going to be Lulu anymore. And everyone was, like, yeah, whatever, Lulu. And now she, now she loves it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but, like, not – you don't even have, like, names that – like – I mean, it's, this is not a this is this, this is not derived from Megan at all. Okay, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this because this is relevant. Um, in my house, in my apartment right now, we all call each other like just basically like syllable like like vowels like so like Baba Fafa like everybody. Like, well, how you doing, Fafa? How you doing, Baba? Like stuff like that. Like that's that's the that's the way the three of us talk to each other in the house. And it started because I was really into calling the cat Fafa Fina because I w- I called him Baba Bina for a long time, and then it was Baba, and then mm. I thought it was fucking hilarious to call him Fafa. So I call him like Fafa Fina. I call him Feeny. <laughs> um, mm. And it's kind of morphed into all of us kind of calling each other by those names all the time. Okay. So okay. I'll say that. All right. All right. I'm I'll take Baba it. A lot I'll take these it. Days in this house. Yeah. How you, how you right. doing, Baba? What you doing, Baba? But like, does it supersede the house? Would it, somebody down the street say, hey, Baba? No, but I don't know. I'm a little <laughs> nervous that me and Johnny have been joking that like we don't know what we're going to do when we go in public and we are calling each other Hoss, which is something that we're like really <laughs> also into doing. And we do do that in public and people are like, what the fuck goes on? Like, I'll be like, oh, how you doing, Hoss? And they're like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> which is an old Southern slang term oh, for Oh, that's... Your Hoss. Your mm. Hoss. H-O-S-S. And it means <laughs> a large man, usually. Hey, Hoss. Okay. Anyway. I didn't know that. That's, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Big Mama is funny as hell, Okay. When he- it came about just because, like, I was bossy as fuck. <laughs> like, so, okay, Big Mom. Okay, Big Mom. Like, when I'm, like, this little kid, like, bossing around all the boys or, like, trying to get everybody, like, in order, you know, as we're on these family vacations, me and my sister trying to, like, being the, like, rule, the rule keepers, Big Mom, Little Mom. So that's, like, to this day, like, I mean... I don't think he referred to me as Meg or Megan once, which is, it would be weird. Like it would be, it would honestly, it would not feel correct. (laughs) Yeah. When he called me big mom, when the conversation opened, I just didn't, 
say anything or even acknowledge it because I was just like, you know what? Honestly, like this is so, this was said with such normalcy that I actually feel fucking insane for not being like, yeah, of course, this is fucking big mom. Like, you know, like he said it was such like, such as like, oh, hey, big mom, how you doing? I was like, uh-huh. oh shit. Like, yeah, of it's course. Like that. That's big. That's freaking big mom. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and everybody like, I mean, everybody has those names. Like nobody is goes in our group goes by their full name. Big mom, little mom. My brother is the full name was like JP from Leonard town. My brother's not from Leonard town. I don't know where it came from, but JP from Leonard town. Colin is C gray. Um, Brendan is misty. Like nobody has their no no one is referred to by their by their uh given name so it's oh, a beautiful dude. thing that's a dream of, that's <laughs> like a, a sad uh, dream of mine is i wish i had been in a group of children where it was like hey that guy over there that's shoelace jim baby and you don't mess <laughs> with him and that's perky and that's <laughs> and we call was... him gum socket and you don't want to know why baby and you know like I, miss, <laughs> I wish i rolled in a group of kids like that that was like you're like one step away from like digging up a fucking alien in your backyard. Yes. <laughs> Nicknames like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was good times. It was always good times. So, um, um, yeah, this was a special, it was a special one to have Colin on and, um, yeah, just loved it. Me too. All right. Well, folks, you know, you can, you can, you can make this episode even more special by going and leaving hmm. a five-star rating and maybe a wonderful review over on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me at N on Twitter, Instagram, and you can visit that.com. And you can follow me on the internet at Meg Bunn. You can follow the show at Good to See You Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And folks, check that wonderful, beautiful description above for all the links and maybe some goodies we didn't talk about. Like, um, you can find Colin's music there. Yes, you sure can. The link will be right there. So just go ahead and give it a little click, click, click. Yeah. All right. Well, Meg, good to see you. It was good to see you.